Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, in our day-to-day lives, we will pray for many things. Perhaps we pray for health or strength to do our daily work. We may pray for enough money to make ends meet every month. Sure, quite often we pray for the forgiveness of our sins, and we might pray for our faith to be strengthened, or for the Lord to grant faith to someone we love. And everything we pray for, it reflects the desires of our hearts. See, the petitions we make, they're an expression of things we want God to give us. And seeing that as it is, it's good to ask, how much do I earnestly pray for God's kingdom to come. In my everyday life, as I, as I pray, as I think about the Lord's Prayer perhaps and pray the Lord's Prayer, how much do I really desire for God's kingdom to come? Do I desire it to come? And do I know what praying for God's kingdom to, to come all includes? And let's start with this more basic question. What does it mean for God's kingdom to come? Well, at its heart, it means for God to be acknowledged as king. When God's kingdom comes, His rule is established everywhere on earth. And when God's kingdom fully comes, everyone will obey God as the king. They will worship Him as the king. And this is one of the best things that could ever happen. This is one of the best things imaginable, that everyone everywhere would acknowledge that God is King, that Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords. Now, one of the things people fear in this world is tyrants, rulers with absolute power who do barbaric things to hold on to power. As the old saying goes, absolute power corrupts absolutely. And so those with absolute power, they can be so destructive at times in this world. But when God has absolute power and is acknowledged to have it, then everything will be set right in this world. When God has absolute power and is acknowledged to have it, Life finally flourishes as it was meant to flourish. And when God has absolute power and is acknowledged to have it, then we will never be afraid again. And so I preach you God's word this afternoon under the following theme and points. Let each of us pray, may your kingdom come, O Lord. We'll look at three things. First of all, that we are to eagerly desire God's kingdom to come. Second, that we're gonna, we should pray for God's kingdom to come. And finally, we'll look at how we are to work for God's kingdom to come. So first of all, eagerly desiring God's kingdom to come. Now, when you read the, the New Testament Gospels, the life of Christ, you can see how important the topic of the kingdom of God was to our Lord. When Jesus taught the people, he focused so often on the kingdom of God. 
just think of his parables. How many of his parables do not begin with, uh, the kingdom of God is like, and then Christ uh, gives an illustration showing some aspect of God's kingdom. It, it captured the attention of Christ in his teaching. And if the coming of God's kingdom was so important for our Lord Jesus, and surely it should be important for us too, his followers, those who believe in him. And when you understand what the coming of God's kingdom is all about, then we will not, or then we can't help but desire for it to come and come quickly and come fully. Think only of what we read about in Psalm 72. Psalm 72 is a psalm of Solomon, or perhaps you could even call it a prayer for Solomon or to Solomon, maybe even written by David. Psalm 72 describes the, the ideal Davidic king. You see, God made a covenant with David that one of his descendants, one of his sons, would sit on his throne forever. And through this king, blessing upon blessing would come to God's people and to this earth. And that's described also in Psalm 72. Listen to what's described here. The first thing we might notice is that things are set right in the world through this king. Now, what do we so often see when we look at the nations and the kingdoms of the earth so often we see injustice. The poor and the weak are trampled on. The wicked often flourish and prosper. Sin so often is even promoted and celebrated. And the righteous are often ignored or even worse, trampled on or even killed. And so often when we see things that frustrate you to no end like this, it just makes you want to cry out. Why isn't this world different? Why are things so upside down and backwards? Why is evil called good and good called evil? But look at how things change under the rule of God's chosen king. The king judges a people with perfect righteousness, always making right and just rulings. The king defends the cause of the poor. No bribes for the rich, or from the rich. He crushes the oppressor. In his days, it's the righteous and not the wicked who flourish. Finally, justice in the world reigns. Through this king and the coming of God's kingdom. You can also see how corruption is ended through God's appointed king. What do we so often sadly see when we look at the rulers of this world, the kingdoms of the earth? So often we see corruption, waste, inefficiency. And many times a country's own rulers plunge their country, their own country, into economic hardship and even ruin. And as Christians, we always readily pay our taxes as the Lord Jesus taught us. But how frustrating it can be when taxes are used to fund wicked things and to promote evil. But look at how things are different when God's kingdom fully comes. 
Psalm 72 describes it like this, May the king be like rain that falls on the mown grass, like showers that water the earth, a blessing. May there be abundance of grain in the land, on the tops of the mountains may it wave. May its fruit be like Lebanon, may people blossom in the cities like the grass of the field. It's not that this is promoting some kind of lifestyles of the rich and famous under this king, but it's a picture of wholeness, of peace, Or as the Hebrew word puts it, shalom. It's a picture of wellness where human life flourishes as it was meant to flourish. That's what life will be like when God's kingdom fully comes on the new heavens and new earth. And finally, under the rule of this perfect king, God's people always enjoy the blessing of God. There we read in Psalm 72, May people be blessed in Him, let all nations call Him blessed. And in His reign, the whole earth is filled with God's glory. And these words, they signify a fulfillment of God's promises to Abraham. God promised that in Abraham's offspring, all nations would be blessed by God. In in Abraham's offspring. And that offspring ultimately is the promised Davidic king, the Christ, as described here in Psalm 72, the king who reigns in God's kingdom. And all these beautiful realities that come with the coming of God's kingdom means that we should all eagerly desire for God's kingdom to come. Read Psalm 72. Isn't that a place, a country where you would want to live, where these things are described. For further proof, look at how this psalm was originally fulfilled in Solomon. Solomon's reign gives us a small picture of the flourishing of God's people when God's kingdom comes. When you read about Solomon's kingdom in the Bible, you can see it was a kingdom of wisdom, riches, peace, welfare. In Solomon's kingdom, the temple was completed. The worship of God flourished and grew. And through Solomon's kingdom, the nations begin to be blessed. Think of the Queen of Sheba who comes to Solomon to hear his wisdom. Israel flourished like no other time in the Old Testament. And yet Psalm 72 is more fully fulfilled in the coming of Christ. Christ came to establish God's kingdom. And during His ministry on earth, so often the poor were provided for, the hungry were fed, the sick were healed, the outcasts of Israel were brought back in, the true worship of God was restored, righteousness began to flourish. And then we see what our perfect king did to establish his kingdom forever. He died for his people. The king suffered God's wrath for us, dying on the cross. And Christ died on the cross to make this kingdom a reality. And he died and rose again to bring us, to bring us into that kingdom. Save us from the kingdom of darkness. And because Jesus Christ died and rose again, 
know, this beautiful picture described in Psalm 72, it's not some kind of pie-in-the-sky, wish-upon-a-shooting-star picture. No, this will be a reality. It will happen. God's kingdom will come. Christ secured this future for His people. So we look forward to it with joy. We eagerly desire for this beautiful picture to be fulfilled. We want God's kingdom to come. Brings us to our next point. Now, as I mentioned in the introduction, the things we pray for reflect the desires of our heart. And the more you desire God's kingdom to come, the more you will pray for it to come. And what does that look like? Well, Jesus teaches us to pray, your kingdom come. What about uh, the specifics when it comes to that? How can we unpack this petition so that we pray for all things related to this petition? Well, in order to pray for the specifics of this petition, we need to know how God's kingdom advances in this world. How does it come? We need to know what God's kingdom is and what it is not. First, we must understand that God's kingdom is different than the kingdoms of the world. The kingdom of God cannot be identified with any particular political party or politician. It does not advance by physical force or through a trained army. Christ said to Pontius Pilate in John 18, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not from this world. And the Pharisees, they asked Christ when the kingdom of God would come. He answered them, The kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed, nor will they say, Look, here it is, or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is in your midst." See, the kingdom of God advances in this world in a special way. It advances through God's Word and Spirit. It progresses in this world as the gospel of the King, Jesus Christ, goes out. You see, as the, the good news of Christ's death and resurrection goes out, people everywhere, they are brought to repentance and faith by the power of the Holy Spirit. And through this work of the Spirit, through the Word, people everywhere from every kingdom under heaven begin to bow their knee and confess with their mouths that Jesus Christ is Lord. See, through that work of the Spirit, through the Word, people are brought more and more under the loving rule of Jesus Christ and God the Father. That is how the kingdom of God advances in this world. And so what does that mean for our prayers? How can we pray for specific things that fit under this umbrella of your kingdom come? Well, we can pray, first of all, for ourselves. Listen to how Lord's Day 48 puts it. So rule us by your word and spirit that more and more we submit to you. And through Christ's saving work, we have been transferred 
into Christ's kingdom. We have all the privileges and blessings that come with it. But none of us yet have become the perfect kingdom citizens, always desiring what the, what the king wants us to desire, always saying what the king wants us to say, always doing what the king wants us to do. And we will only become perfect kingdom citizens when Christ returns and we have been glorified. And so we can pray right now, God, by your grace, transform me into someone who more and more willingly submits to your rule, someone who lives by your law, someone who aims to give you glory, someone who is conformed to your wonderful image. Pray that in your own life you would be conformed, you would become the ideal citizen of God's kingdom. That's the first thing. I pray also for the gospel to go out into all the earth. Remember, God's kingdom advances through the gospel. Pray for ministers of the gospel. Pray that they would be faithful. Pray that they would proclaim God's word faithfully and boldly. Pray for missionaries wherever they work. They are on the front lines of the advancement of God's kingdom. And that kingdom of God breaks into new areas in this world through their work. And that can be incredibly challenging. Pray for missionaries. We could easily add to this list. Pray for seminaries who train preachers of the gospel. Pray that God would send out workers into the harvest. Pray for Christian schools so that youth would be taught to live as kingdom citizens in all areas of life. Pray for the work of Bible translation. Pray for the persecuted. Pray for this local church. In one area I want to particularly draw attention to this afternoon is also the work of evangelism. Beloved, we have the greatest treasure in the world. We have the gospel of Christ. We have been transferred into Christ's kingdom. And there's so many people driving by, living in this community, in our neighborhoods, in the city, who need what we have, the gospel of Christ. And by God's power and grace, we can be used by God to bring them this good news. Pray for the work of evangelism, and pray that you would receive opportunities to speak to others about Christ. In fact, I would encourage you to identify someone specific in your life who does not know Christ. Maybe a coworker, maybe a neighbor, maybe a classmate in university, you name it. And then what you can do is pray specifically for that person, that God would work in their life, bring them the gospel, that you would have opportunities to speak with them, that God would change their hearts. Pray that you would be given words to say. Pray for boldness to say what needs to be said. And pray also for winsomeness, that you would speak from the heart to someone who needs to hear this grace of God, 
so that by God's grace, this person might come to faith and might join us here in this building, that they might be saved from the grip of Satan's kingdom. They might be saved from eternal death. Pray for yourselves, beloved, for those opportunities. And in that light, when we pray for God's kingdom to come, at the same time, we are also praying for the destruction of Satan's kingdom. You see, God's kingdom, it doesn't advance into this world in a vacuum. God's kingdom always advances into enemy territory, the kingdom of the devil. And Satan will do whatever he can to stop the advancement of God's kingdom. We could say even that may be his primary objective, to stop the advancement of God's kingdom. And this is why Lord's Day 48 describes this petition also like this. As we pray this petition, we pray, preserve and increase your church. Destroy the works of the devil, every power that raises itself against you, and every conspiracy against your holy word. You see, Satan has lost through the cross of Christ. But he's not going to go down without a fight. God will defeat Satan's counterattacks also through your prayers, the prayers you make around the dinner table, the prayers you make before you go to bed. God uses those prayers to build His kingdom, to destroy Satan's kingdom. And to end the section, I want to end with some encouragement we might know that, yes, God does hear this petition. Think of Psalm 72, describing the ideal king, describing uh, yeah, the, the Christ. We get an initial filming of this beautiful picture of God's kingdom in Solomon's reign. God brought his kingdom forward through Solomon. And we get a greater fulfillment through the coming of Jesus Christ. Again, God was working to advance His kingdom. After Christ died and rose again, He ascended and is now on the throne at God's right hand. So we can know God's kingdom is coming. This beautiful picture will be fulfilled. So we can pray this petition with confidence with faith. No matter how bad things might seem in this world or how small God's kingdom appears to be at times, God's kingdom will come. He will hear your prayers. Brings us to our last point. Yes, beloved, God's kingdom will come. It will come by God's power according to God's plan. Isaiah 9 famously describes the coming Christ who will reign forever on David's throne, and there it says, Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. And then what is added at the end of those words? The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. The zeal of the Lord of hosts. And so we always keep that in mind. Remember that God's kingdom, it comes by God's own power. This is His work. And yet that doesn't mean we have nothing to do with this, for we do. 
In fact, God is pleased to advance His kingdom on earth through us, through His people. Isn't that wonderful? You, beloved, you can be used by God to advance God's eternal kingdom on earth. That is wonderful. That is a glorious privilege. See, in working to establish God's kingdom, you are working for something that will last forever. And what a glorious thing that is. And doesn't that provide an infinite amount of, amount of meaning and worth to your life? It does, whether you realize it or not. God is using us to advance an eternal kingdom for His glory. What a reason to work joyfully for the coming of God's kingdom. Now, working for God's kingdom to come might sound difficult, and we might wonder, well, what can I really do to advance God's kingdom? But, beloved, it doesn't need to be complicated. Seek, first of all, to become ideal kingdom citizens. That means following God's Word, studying God's Word. This is the book of the kingdom. It means depending on the king, serving the king, submitting to the king in your day-to-day life. And doing this day by day in our lives will cause God's kingdom to advance in this world. It's inevitable. And perhaps we can say, aim not only to be ideal citizens of God's kingdom, but also aim to be ideal kings and queens in God's kingdom, for that is what we are. See, as Christians, we share in Christ's anointing of the Holy Spirit. This is a great thing for the kingdom of God. After all, in the Old Testament, the devil, he only really had one king to fight against, king of Israel, uh, the king of Judah, And so often, Satan's attacks on that one king, they seem to succeed. Then, of course, Christ came, the ultimate king, and he conquered all. He's on the throne in heaven, and he poured out the Holy Spirit. And after the Holy Spirit was poured out on Pentecost, now the devil has a huge problem on his hands. For now, there's not just one king to deal with, But there are millions. We are among them. God the Father has multiplied the kings of His kingdoms. That's us. As we faithfully walk by the Spirit, according to God's Word, as faithful kings, God's kingdom will advance. That means, first of all, we faithfully fight against sin in our own lives, that it may never rule over us. We aim to live the way the Bible describes godly kings as people who live according to God's righteous law. If as kings and God's if as kings and God's kingdom we fail to do this, God's kingdom will suffer. The more we do this, the more God's kingdom will flourish. That's not all, of course. God's kingdom advances through our efforts and in all kinds of areas. There is so much kingdom work to do. Any work to benefit Christ's church can help advance 
God's kingdom on earth. It can include teaching covenant children the Word of God. It can be serving in a Christian school through teaching, volunteering. It can be donating money to organizations that promote God's Word and God's church. It can include helping out in a local church, even in some small capacity. And yes, it could mean becoming a minister or a missionary. That's God's calling for us. All these things promote God's kingdom. And with God's blessing, His kingdom will advance. Beloved, God's kingdom will come. May we eagerly desire it for it to come. May we faithfully pray for it to come. May we fervently work for it to come. Amen.